0: Не ждет меня работа. давно Howdy, folks, it's Wednesday, June 13th, and we're hours away from the kickoff of the next FIFA World Cup. Which is being hosted in russia this year listeners who know me or follow me on twitter might know that i have deep antipathy towards soccer and i plan to watch exactly zero minutes of the tournament to come but the next month will nevertheless turn much of the world's attention to russia which means this is a good opportunity to shine a light on the country's various social issues the last time a sporting event did this was the 2014 sochi winter olympics another contest that i actively ignored And back then, many in the United States, for instance, suddenly cared very deeply about LGBT rights in Russia. This year, it's uh, more of a buffet for haters, with Crimea, Syria, Eastern Ukraine, and so much more from which to choose. But I'd like to stick with discrimination, and that's what we're gonna talk about today. So what are you going to learn about on today's episode of the podcast? We'll look at cases of ageism, homophobia, and sexism, and we'll wrap up with a summary of the legal challenges to proving discrimination in Russian courts. This podcast episode is based on a report by Anna Valtseva published by Medusa. To read an English language translation of this text, just check out the description of this episode. If you enjoy this podcast, please consider making a pledge at patreon.com backslash Kevin Rothrock where you can send me money for all my grand efforts. Many thanks to the listeners already ponying up. Before we get into the nitty-gritty, it's important to bear in mind that Russian lawyers and human rights activists who have worked even a single case where they had to prove discrimination by sex, age, sexual orientation, or ethnicity, will explain how it's nearly impossible to win one of these lawsuits in Russia. Judges usually refuse to go to trial, and the best-case scenario is often a ruling that only partially satisfies a claim. So what are some actual examples of discrimination that Russians face today in the workplace? Well, consider the case of Atkritia Bank vice president and Tochka Bank co-founder Yana Ganyak, who wrote on Facebook earlier this month that her current go-to interview question has been, is Crimea ours? She says it isn't the substance of job candidates' answers that interests her but applicants' readiness to express their opinions to a potential employer. She emphasized that she regards over-the-top, ultra-patriotic, or conversely, left-wing answers to be evidence of brainwashing, and unambiguous grounds for refusing to hire someone. She said she rejects anyone who refuses to answer her Crimea question, and anyone who won't discuss politics more generally with her. As you can imagine, this post and her reasoning has enraged a lot of people online, and Ganik has done a mix of doubling down and waffling, saying that she loves her country and recognizes its laws, and believes that Crimea belongs to Russia both factually and legally, while denying that she's ever refused to hire someone because of their political views, insisting that her Facebook post has been misinterpreted. So political views can be used as a litmus test in Russian hiring. But what about skin color, probably the form of discrimination that's most familiar to Americans? Well, don't fret, my compatriots, because Russia has racism in the workplace, too. Despite myriad regulations and laws guaranteeing equal rights and freedoms, regardless of sex, race, nationality, language, origin, property, and official status, place of residence, religion, convictions, membership of public associations, And in other circumstances, you still find job vacancy advertisements that specify various discriminatory hiring criteria. In 2018, an ad appeared in an employment group on Facebook promoting a vacancy at a cafe at Moscow's Art Lebedev studio. To apply for the job, you needed at least a year's experience, a love of people, and a Slavic appearance many internet users expressed outrage that the company wouldn't even accept applications from non-SLAVs, but more than a few defended the discriminatory policy, arguing that employers have the right to make such demands if clients feel more comfortable when being served by SLAVs, or if the establishment's central vision requires workers who look a certain way. In Russia, you're even more likely to encounter Slavs-only discrimination in the housing market, especially in listings for vacant apartments and rooms. Alexander Verhovsky, the director of the Sova Research Center, says this kind of garbage will stick around until Russians start considering it disgraceful in the first place. Russia isn't there yet, he says. And what about the oldies? Yes, the Russian labor market has its fair share of ageism as well. Say hello to Yuri Stupko, an accountant who started looking for a job in 2006 after taking some time away from work to care for his elderly parents. He was 57 and had 30 years of experience under his belt when he decided to get back into it. Now, before returning to the labor market, Stupko actually took some career development courses and registered with a local employment service, which sent him for an interview at a company seeking a new accountant. Stupko walked out of the interview, however, with a formal rejection, where the company had actually written down to the employment service that he didn't fit the age category. The lawyer who later defended Stupko in court says his client was also rejected for being a man. The company wanted to hire a woman, apparently. Now, Stupko obviously decided to challenge his rejection, and he actually won his lawsuit. It was one of the first successful discrimination litigations in Russia, and the case actually attracted significant public attention. But Stupko would never get his compensation, thanks to the company offloading all its assets to a dummy corporation and relocating to the other side of the country. In the end, he gave up on finding work and decided to retire, telling journalists to buzz off and leave him alone. Gay people obviously face discrimination in Russia as well. This is a country where school teachers have infamously been fired for supposedly putting children at risk of gay propaganda whatever that is. Three years ago, a man from St. Petersburg who asked Medusa not to reveal his name so you're about to get a whole bunch of funny placed pronouns, this man planned to move to Moscow to find a job. He published his resume on a popular recruitment website where a woman representing a potential employer found his information and contacted him, wanting to talk about a job. She interviewed him over Skype and later she said her company would be making him a formal offer. The woman also asked the guy for a hyperlink to his profile on social media so she could get in touch quickly. That same evening, he got an email from her, or maybe it was an instant message, Uh, I'm not sure, but it said, Wait, you're not gay, are you? He'd shared several photographs of himself with his boyfriend on his profile page. He was gay. And the woman felt it was necessary to get clarity about his orientation. I tried to find out why it mattered, the man told Medusa but she answered that she couldn't hire me because the company adhered to certain traditional values. She stopped responding to me on social media and sent me roughly the same explanation in an email. The incident was so enraging that the man decided to take the company to court, not because he wanted to work there or win compensation, but to create a precedent. He says he was almost certain that his lawsuit would fail, but he believed his cape might help make it clear what was happening in the country. Russians might already know about gay school teachers losing their jobs, but did they know employers outside education and childcare also get away with refusing to work with gay people? Unfortunately, over the next three years, this man lost his case and every subsequent appeal. And now he says the situation has not only outraged him, but actually frightens him. In recent years, Russia's most striking example of workplace discrimination was a case brought by the Aeroflot flight attendants. Yevgenya Magurina and Irina Yurushalimskaya. I'm butchering their names, I apologize. Anyway, they accused the company of showing favoritism to younger, thinner stewardesses. Formerly, all Aeroflot attendants, flight attendants, spend the same required number of hours in flight. But in practice, younger and thinner employees were typically assigned five long flights a week. For instance, flights to the United States while larger women and stewardesses over the age of 40 had to work more flights, shorter flights, on less prestigious routes. Aeroflot was giving the grunt work to women with more wrinkles and bigger waistlines. Lawyers for the flight attendants managed to win the lawsuit against Aeroflot on appeal, showing that the airline used age and physical data to determine employees' salary bonuses. The company never admitted that its policies were discriminatory, insisting that its weight categories for stewardesses were merit-based. In the end, Aeroflot was ordered to abandon its company policy of factoring in flight attendants' weight when awarding bonuses, and the airline also had to compensate stewardesses for pecuniary and non-pecuniary damages. When it comes to discrimination in Russia, there are no precise statistics. Even the judicial record is fuzzy. Human rights lawyers told Medusa that relatively few cases on these grounds are ever heard, and fewer still are ever won. Because court rulings are treated as one of the main indicators for the presence or absence of a particular social phenomenon, it's sometimes said that Russia has no discrimination at all. On May 14, 2018, Russia submitted a report to the United Nations on its observance of human rights over the past five years. Justice Minister Alexander Konevolov said many supposed cases of human rights violations in Russia are not, in fact, human rights violations, arguing that things are improving throughout the country. The report submitted to the UN even says the negligible number of discrimination lawsuits in Russia demonstrates the effectiveness of measures taken by the state. Experts say most offenses go unreported because many Russians don't want to defend their rights publicly. This is especially true for vulnerable groups like LGBT people, people with disabilities, and people living with HIV. Legal representation isn't cheap, moreover, and the available court statistics don't justify much optimism in this whole pursuit. So, Russian businesses have political litmus tests, and the country's job market is riddled with ageism, homophobia, and sexism. And the whole mess evades our full understanding because of underreported offenses and bad statistics. But what's the gist of all this? What's your takeaway? Well, just because the state is sitting on its hands and celebrating baloney numbers doesn't mean the Russian people are so useless. Activists and attorneys are trying to fill the vacuum by investigating the problems on their own. In March 2018, the group Russian Net published a monitoring report on discrimination and violence in Russia. The researchers found that 17.3% of respondents, 653 people, said they'd encounter discrimination in the workplace because of their sexual orientation or gender identity. Of these individuals, 512 were fired for homophobic reasons and another 49 people weren't hired at all. The truth-seekers bold enough to invest their time, money, and energy in doomed litigation have failed to win any groundbreaking precedents in Russia, but they are laying what could be the groundwork for future progress. This is one of those areas where foreign NGOs could potentially help finance new research, but in today's political climate, that's tricky business, and it would likely invite a foreign agent label if the effort produced anything noteworthy. So for now, the fight against labor discrimination in Russia seems to rest on the shoulders of the bold and the brave which is probably how it is in most places. Говорят, мы буки, в руки, на короля. Дальняя дорога Выпадает королю У него Денежонок много А я денежки люблю